Welcome to the Stuttgart Missional Community Church Sermon Podcast. SMCC is a multicultural church serving the English-speaking community in Stuttgart, Germany. For more information or to contact us, visit us on the web at smcchurch.net. That's smcchurch.net. We're starting a new section um, as a church where um, these next couple weeks we're going to be talking about Jesus as the healer. Jesus as the healer. And uh, it's really cool because it seemed like we were going through it like, you know, chronologically, but it's, it's this section at least. It's not quite in order. Um, and so we're going to look at several different people that Jesus healed, that Jesus touched, that he spoke to or whatever else, and they were just radically made whole. And there's so many awesome implications of what happened then and what we can have today. Um, so our sermon title today is called Clean. Who likes being clean? Does anyone like being, does anyone like being dirty? Living in, I don't think so, right? Because I see you guys every Sunday. I know for me, I don't like being dirty. I don't like, like, I like getting dirty. That's one thing. I like working hard, but I don't like staying in those clothes for a week. You know what I mean? Or not sharing. Like, that is disgusting, right? And so as Christians, that we're also called to live cleanly lives, right? Not just outward, but inward. Are your hearts clean? And that's kind of what we're going to talk about this morning. So if you have your Bibles, please turn with me to Luke chapter 17. And it's a very small portion of scripture in Luke that we're going to look at. We're going to start in verse 11. And when you're there, say amen. Amen. Y'all looked at the screen, didn't you? Who brings their Bibles? There we go. All right, we're legit. Y'all are real. I'm just playing. I'm not going to say that. (laughs) Just kidding, guys. As I have my papers up here. (laughs) So Luke chapter 17, verse 11. It says, On the way to Jerusalem, he he, meaning Jesus, was passing along between Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered a village, he was met by ten lepers, who stood at a distance and lifted up their voices, saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said to them, Go and show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. As they went, they were cleansed. This is a pretty strange story um, to me sometimes just thinking about this because when I think of Jesus healing I I see him when he met the one leper and he's full of compassion he's like you make me clean he's like I love you I'll touch you and this one he's like go to the priests you know and it's like what but there's so much there's a deeper thing he was trying to teach him and, and for us today it shows that we need an act of faith we need an act of faith we don't need to just say I believe in you, Jesus, but there should be actions behind that. Does that make sense? There should be actions that are coupled with that. And if you look at these lepers, these guys are really desperate. And I don't know if you've ever been there. I know I have, and maybe you have. But I, I just think, like when I was desperate in my life, it was when I first came to Christ, and I was, I was filthy. I was not clean by any means so many addictive behaviors, so much bad in my life and everything else with people that I hurt. And I, was, I came to the point where I'm like, Jesus, have mercy on me. I need you. And it, 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 when you're at that state, and maybe you're going through it now, where you just feel like you're desperate for something. You're desperate for a change. You're desperate to know the future. You're desperate to get out of this situation or this trial. And so a lot of us, the key is to turn to Jesus first, right? Jesus, I can't figure this out on my own. I've got to come to you. And this is what these lepers are experiencing. 
You know, leprosy was a big deal in Israel because they, you, we don't know their backstory, right? These could have been fathers. Um, they could have had kids. They could have had wives. They could have been going to synagogue like every other good Jewish person and, and, you know, trying to serve God. But then when they get leprosy, that's all gone. What they thought was normal is no longer normal to them because they cannot even be in the community. They have to be outcasts. They have to be set apart because they are un clean. And can you imagine that for a second? I think we've kind of experienced something similar with quarantine, right? We have to stay away from everyone, but not to this extent. Not to where you can't even see your family or see friends, but you are an outcast and you remain an outcast. And I think it's interesting what Jesus did that they're coming to him like, Jesus, I need you. I'm so desperate. And he's like, go to the priest. Just go to the priest. And I'm like, man, is that harsh? Does that seem a little harsh at first? Not really, if you think about it, because there's something in Leviticus that says when a leper is clean to go to the priest, the priest will inspect you to see 100% that you're clean, and then you're good, and then you're brought back into the community. And Jesus was asking them, telling them, I want you to trust me before you see the evidence. Isn't that powerful? Just that simplicity right there to trust Jesus before you see the results. To think of the things that you've prayed for and the things that you've gone through and that you've had to trust Jesus before you saw how he was going to come through. Maybe you're in that situation now. Does anyone relate to that? Like, I have no clue. And Jesus is like, if you follow me and you continue to trust me, you're going to get your blessing. You are going to get your miracle. And this is exactly what he's teaching them to do. And, you know, it's easy to say that. Right here in front of you guys, you just need to trust Jesus before it happens, but I totally get it. I totally get how difficult that can be. I totally get when you're like, well, trust Jesus. How? How do I do this? How do I even increase my faith? And it's something that happened in this same chapter a few verses before the disciples come to Jesus. And they're like, Lord, increase our faith. Like, how do we do this? And he answers, by serving. You increase your faith by serving, by being disciple, by obeying what you know of me, you are going to grow in your faith. And I think as Christians, we like to overcomplicate it, right? Obeying what we know. What do we know? What are the two greatest commands that Jesus ever gave, right? What did he say? These were at the top. It was to love God with all of your heart, all your mind, all your soul, and your body, and love your neighbor as yourself. If we just took those two things that we know, how powerful would the church be? If we walked in that, Every second of every day. And it's not so much we need to know the entire Bible. Yes, I want you to read your Bible, and God says that too. But if you just get the basics, if you get the simple gospel, you become a life changer. God flows through you in so many miraculous ways. But we like, I don't know about you, but I I think sometimes when I work out, I want that 30-minute workout to give me an eight-pack when I'm done. You know what I mean? Or I want that week of dieting to be like, wow, I just, I'm shredded. Like, it doesn't work that way, right? It is walking and following and obeying Jesus. We see that with lepers. It's as they went, as they trusted in Jesus' words, then they were cleansed. Then they were made whole. And I think that's significant. And it's something that God is asking us to do, even in this season. If you look at when the walls of Jericho fell, if you remember this, when we talked about it with Joshua, he's leading them. And God tells the Israelites, I want you to walk around the walls of Jericho. 
and then I'm going to do it for multiple days. And on the seventh day, you're going to walk around seven times or whatever, and then blow the ram's horn. And I think it's interesting because that's kind of like what we do in our situations is this faith walk, right? That we go around the tribe. We're praying God come through, but we're not seeing evidence, right? It would have been really cool for the Israelites that every day, the wall fell a little bit more. And they're like, this is working. This is working. You know, it's like, oh, snap. I can't wait till the seventh day. But they didn't see any of that. They had to have faith that it was going to happen when God said it would happen in his time. It wasn't in their time. And I think it's interesting, too, in that same story that God tells the Israelites not to say a word. Don't speak. Because, you know, we like to talk ourselves out of what God's wanting to do in our lives. You ever notice that? Have you done this? God, I trust you. I don't really see how you're going to do it, though. God, I trust you today. Wake up. Oh, I've got to deal with this. And we just we like to talk ourselves out of a miracle. And I think that's why God told them to not say anything, to not have discouragement in the monks of everyone, but to trust in God alone. And so that's something we should do. If you're praying for something and you're seeking God for something, to have faith through it. That even though you're going through a trial, that God can still bless you and help you out. Even if you're going through a sickness, if you're praying, God, take my headache away, get up, get out of bed, and do something. Right? Act like God. Thank you, God, for healing me. Start praising him in advance, God. I thank you that you're taking care of me. I thank you that you already have this situation figured out instead of living in this shame and guilt. Because I think a lot of times we just expect God, I pray, and then, oh, it's over. You're welcome. Wow, that was so cool. I didn't grow in my faith at all, but I feel really good. And that's what the trials are there for, to grow you in your faith with Christ, to trust him even when things aren't going your way. And when we pray, to be real about it, to really have our faith in God. James says this, it says, when you're praying, when you're asking God for something, to not be double-minded or unstable if you don't have your trust in God. If it's not all the way in God, then he says you're like a wave in the ocean just tossing and turning. You are so unstable. You're, it's, God's not even going to listen to you because you are not really trusting him. You are just, you know, this would be cool if you could do that instead of standing on his promises, believing that God can do it. And it's something that we should do. It's something that if we have an act of faith, truly, and you're like, I know that Jesus saved me, and I know I'm going to heaven because of the sacrifice. Well, guess what? That means hell is real too. And that means people are on their way to hell around you. And if you really love Christ, and you really love people, then you are going to turn to those people that you know are going to hell and love them. Bless them. Share the gospel with them. Because having an act of faith is not being a closet Christian. Of I'm really comfortable in Jesus, you really love me, and I know you really love me, and that's great. But he wants you to go out to preach the gospel, to bless people. And yes, it is scary, but it's something that he commands us to do, and he promises to help you out. That's why he sent the Holy Spirit as the comforter to comfort you as you do these things, to give you that power and authority to love people and be there for people, because people need it. People need to know there is a God that can set them free. Let's continue the next few verses. Let's go to verse 15. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice, and he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Now he was a Samaritan. I love that Luke always includes those things. By the way, 
This is a Samaritan. By the way, this is the guy that represents the outcast or the nobodies or the rejects. By the way, this person that Jesus touched, that Jesus had time for, that Jesus cleansed, he wasn't even worth it in his people's eyes. And I love that because it shows us that redemption is universal. Universal. It's for everyone. And when I say universal, some of you can think, and I've heard other people think that when that's said, that because of what Jesus did, everybody goes to heaven now. No, the fact is we still have to choose Jesus. We still have to trust him as Lord of our lives, to live for him, to deny ourselves, to pick up our cross and follow him. It is an active lifestyle. It is a lifestyle to be a Christian. It's not something you do on Sundays or just something you do for your morning Devo, but then you live however you want and you talk however you want and nobody knows you're a Christian. And if they do, you just destroyed your witness because you don't even act like a biblical Christian at all. That's a scary thing, right? So when I say redemption is universal, we have to choose Jesus, but that means everyone has the ability to recognize Jesus as Lord before it is too late. Before it's too late. Everyone has the option, has the choice, has the privilege. And Romans 10, starting at verse 11, says this. It says, For the Scripture says, Everyone who believes in Him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Everyone. There's no distinction. I love that, right? I think it's something that the world desperately needs right now. I think it's interesting that I think even we're kind of experiencing it in our nation um, of, of the differences in social structure and culture and race and everything else. And it's just causing this gigantic divide. And I think it's really interesting how when everyone, all the lepers, when they were all sick, when they were all in the same boat, they lived together. They were there for each other. And have you noticed that too? When you're in a trial with someone that superficial stuff just doesn't matter. You're going through life with them. I know when I was in the military and we were deployed, you know, I was deployed with people that were different sexual orientation, different faith, different belief system completely. But when push came to shove and it was mission time, we had each other's back. We were there for one each other. We helped one another. We had that sense of camaraderie. And I think it's interesting that that happens in desperate times and in trials. But then when peacetime comes, that social structure starts to make a headway. We notice it in, in American history when wars came out, you know, everyone, every race, black people, you know, Mexican people, whatever. And then after the war and it's peacetime, not accepted, not as equal in everyone's eyes. Isn't that interesting? And for us to understand as the church is that Jesus wanted something. He wanted the world to recognize us by our love for one another. You want to know how? you can see that other people think and know you are a Christian, is that you love other people. You love and encourage one another. You bless other people, even if they don't deserve it. And I, I love this, that, you know, it just goes to show Jesus dying for everyone, that it doesn't matter if you talk like me, or you act like me, or you think like me. The fact is, Jesus still died for you too. Not just for me, and not everything that I am and, and how I think you should be, but he died for you where you're at. And he wants to transform you. And by doing that, 
what Jesus has done is you don't have to be someone special or something different for me to view you and treat you as an equal. And that's something we as a church need to represent in our world all the time. That there is no one below us, there's no distinction, but that we serve and we encourage and we bless other people. Amen? Let's continue the next few verses. Verse 17 says, And Jesus answered, Were not ten cleansed? Where are the nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, to the Samaritan, Rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. This just goes to show that the result of faith is praise. Real faith, real belief in Jesus, it explodes in faith. That becomes your lifestyle. And I love how Jesus dealt with this because he does ask the question, you know, where, where are the other guys? I know I healed all of you, but yet you are the only one that comes and recognizes my authority, recognizes who I am. And that just, it shows, I guess, the love and humility in Christ that he doesn't demand praise for, his, for your miracle. When he blesses you, he doesn't expect you, you better recognize you better come to me right now. But even when we forget, even when we don't go to God, that he is still there and he is still loving us and he's still extending arms to us. And I look at, you know, these guys and I try to wonder why, why didn't they come back to Jesus? Why, why didn't they come immediately and thank him? But then I try to think, you know, do we do the same thing? Do we get blessed by God? But then we get either too excited about the blessing or so pumped or now this changes our plans and I've got to tell people. Because I think, what if these lepers that, that in, they weren't coming to Jesus, maybe they, you know, they were going to the priest and they would just want to get back to their lives. They wanted to get back with their normal, maybe they missed their family, maybe missed their kids, they missed what normal community was like, they missed having meals with one another, and so they just went. They just received it and went. But you see, the Samaritan recognized that the reason he has these things is because of what Jesus did for him first. And I think that's important for us to remember those things that God has done for us in the past. To remember that junk you were in where God came up and completely helped you out because that will help you to worship God. If you're like, well, what has God done for me? What did God do for you then? Start with that. Start with those blessings. Start with praising him and thanking him. And I think that, you know, we as people, we like appreciation. Would you agree? Do you like feeling appreciated? Yes, I know I do. I know some people crave it or need it. They need to be appreciated or they will not function properly, right? And so for me, I think like if, if I'm appreciated, and maybe you can relate, if, I, if I'm, you know, working hard and going after something or doing something and, you know, my boss or whoever's in charge are like, you know, that's, that's a great job. You know, I'm like, thanks, man. I'm going to do better. I'm going to try to work harder. I'm going to do more. And so for a lot of people, that's the case, right? You know, you go the mile because of the rank or because it's the job, but you go the second mile because of the relationship. And us appreciating people and loving people, that's biblical, it's something we should do as Christians to encourage one another, right? To love one another, to lift each other up, to carry each other's burdens. So not only should we do that, but we should remember that God 
wants to be appreciated too. God did this crazy thing where he gave us free will. Where he could have made us all robots. Where we were pre-programmed to love God first and foremost and nothing else matters. We have no choice. It's just God all the time. God, I love you. God, I need you. God, you're amazing. But it's not real because it's not our choice. And God gave us free will so that we could actually choose to worship him. When he blesses us, we can choose to thank him or not. And I would say personally, if you're not praising God and this is not normal for you, then your faith is weak. Your faith is nowhere near where it should be. Because praising God and thanking God for things, that solidifies what he does for you. It solidifies what he constantly does. And man, it could be anything. You know, sometimes I thank God for the weirdest stuff. Like, honestly. Like, we go and have McDonald's, and like the next day I'm like, God, I thank you that I had those fries. They were so good. And it sounds dumb, right? But it's like, that should be a normal Christian thing. You just thank God for that. God, I thank you that I could wake up today. Man, I thank you that, you know, that, that you've blessed me, that I can grow a mustache after 28 years now. That's fantastic. You know, little things, and that can just get you rolling to thank God for more and more. Wow, you've also done that, and you've also done that. And that can totally shift your perspective. It can shift your emotions. It can shift your mood because you are putting God first. You are choosing, and you're like, wow, the glass is not half empty. It is so full. My cup runs over, man. God is fantastic. He's constantly loving me and blessing me. I have both my legs. What? I'm not Lieutenant Dan. This is great. You know what I mean? Like all these things. And I say that to be silly. And I know it's joking. So sorry, Lieutenant Dan and, and people like that. But I'm being serious that you can thank God for anything. You don't always need this special miraculous thing to happen where you had this intense skin disease and God saved you. Now you're like, thank you. But you can thank him for the little stuff as well. Because God wants you to love him. He wants you to worship him. He wants to be recognized of who he is in your life. And I was, you know, going over this. Yeah, I have time. Good. I was looking at this study. And it really, as I was praising God and thanking him and trying to put myself in other Christian shoes, not just here, but around the world. And I was going past this study. And it just, it just proves the fact that, of how much we're under attack as a church by demonic forces. Like, the devil is real. He is going around trying to destroy us. There are spiritual powers, spiritual forces at work trying to destroy the church all of the time. And as I looked at this, and if you don't know what to thank God about, maybe you can start with these. As I was looking at this study, this foreign secretary recently reported that the persecution of Christians is at a near genocide level that our brothers and sisters around the world are being annihilated because of their faith in Jesus you know over this is in last year over 260 million Christians 260 million live in areas of high persecution almost 3,000 Christians last year were killed because of their faith in Jesus. Almost 9,500 churches and Christian buildings were attacked because of their faith in Jesus. And almost like 3,700, a little over that, Christians were detained or imprisoned without a trial. Like, if you have a hard time praising God, thank God you're not there and you're not dealing with that. 
But I want to change the perspective. If you can't thank God for what he's doing for you now, what happens when you do get there? What happens when you really are under trial or you do find yourself in this situation where someone's coming up and it's your life or you denounce Christ? What are you going to do then? Is your lifestyle of praise right now on the trajectory of when you get there that you can still trust in God? You can still believe God even when it gets hard. You know, if we look at Daniel, he prayed. He was, he was such a good citizen, right? He did what he was told. He, he you know, rose to the ranks you know, of power and he made good relationships. But the one thing that these people had against him was because he prayed to God. He trusted God. And he got thrown into the lion's den for it. Do you imagine that because of your prayer life that you're thrown into a den of hungry lions? But then having the faith that like, God's got me. It's cool. I talk to him every day. It's fine. I totally know he's going to take care of me. If not, then I'm just going to be with him and that's even greater. So what can you do? What are you going to do to me? That type of faith, throwing the lions in and still continuing to praise God. I was looking at one of the greatest um, biblical examples of this, in my opinion, and I'm biased sometimes, but you remember Paul and Silas. And these are amazing men of God. And they're, they're here and they end up, they're getting, you know, chased around by this slave girl who's possessed by demon spirit. And she can tell the future. You know what I mean? She makes people money. And, you know, they get so annoyed that he cast the demon out. And because he cast that demon out, because he cleansed that woman in the name of Jesus, they were severely beaten. And then they're thrown into jail. And how do they handle it? Oh, Lord, why me? Why me, Lord? Why did it have to be me? I did what you asked. I loved on, I encouraged, I rebuked the demon. That's not how they answered. That's how we answer sometimes. Instead, in their chains and with their battle bruises, they're just singing to God and praising him and thanking God, you're so good. That's the level of faith we need to be at. That's the lifestyle of worship that is going to sustain our life of Christianity. The only way that we can continue to trust God if we start now. We have to know how to worship God now. So if we do get there or whatever the trials, that it won't be something new. We're not implementing, oh man, it's like you're going to work out and you're starting bench press 300 pounds before you've even started with 75. You know what I mean? Like, or whatever else, or 90 pounds. Like, you have to grow to that and it starts now. To thank God now, to give him worship now, to praise him now. And I want to share something that Romans says in chapter 1 verse 21 says this. And this is, this is a scary thing that can happen to us. It says, For although they knew God, they did not honor Him as God or give thanks to Him. But they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. It's dangerous to know of God, but refuse to give Him that glory. Refuse to thank Him. And if that is not your model, that is not your lifestyle, then Paul says, what happens? Your thinking goes dark, your heart goes dark. And what does that lead to? By not worshiping God, by not having a lifestyle of worship, he continues in the next verses down. He labels so many things. Slanderers, haters of God, foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless, deceit, strife, full of envy, full of evil, all these things. That is your future if you claim you know God, but you don't give him thanks, you don't praise him and you don't thank him. So again, you have to ask yourself, my current lifestyle of praise, where am I going? 
Does it reflect a sense of when I get to something even harder, even worse than what I'm going through right now, that I will continue to praise God, continue to love him because this is what I do because I love him, that have what he's done for me? Or is it you do it only once and now and again, it's not real. So when it gets really worse, you get to that point, well, what's God ever done for me? And then boom, debased mind, darkened heart. And many people we've seen that happen. I don't know if you've seen this with Christian brothers and sisters. They get to the point where the trial's too much and they're not praising God. That They're like, I'm just done. I'm done. That's our future if we don't have a lifestyle of praise. So our faith has to be continually active. It's not about head knowledge. It's about doing it. It's about having a heart for people, a heart for God, loving people, lifting one another up, and never feeling like we are above anyone else. You should never look at anyone, despite what they've done or who they are or what they represent, and think, I'm better than you. I am so much better than you. That is so ungodly, it's ridiculous. That is straight demonic. That is demonic. And through this, as we do this, we have to live a life of praise. It's got to become our normal, church. That is what will sustain us. That will get us through the hard times and the difficult seasons in our life is when we praise God and thank Him continually. Thank you for listening to the SMCC Sermon Podcast. Be sure to visit us on the web at smcchurch.net. That's smcchurch.net.